Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to HOA, It's a True Story. I am your host, Reagan Brown. In our effort to bring you educational topics, I must warn you some of the following information in today's podcast can be sensitive and even disturbing. I want to warn you that this next episode is graphic in nature. However, I hope it brings proper awareness to a very troubling situation. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate your continued support. Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to HOA It's a True Story. Today, our guest is Troy Broderick. He's a consultant and a professor at San Joaquin Delta College. And we're talking with Troy today about what to do in an active shooter situation. Troy, thank you for joining us today and welcome to HOA It's a True Story. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Also joining us today is our very own Bill Mann of GB Group. Thanks, Reagan. Troy, before we get started on all this, give us a little bit of information on your background and how you became involved speaking about this topic because it's not a well common known topic to go into groups and talk on but you know things have changed so much with active shooters how did you kind of get involved in this i've been in law enforcement now for almost 40 years i started my career at a small agency as a reserve officer and i did uh, most of my career at stockton california taking you back to 1997 in stockton we had an incident there where a deranged person went on campus and shot 37 second graders that were playing on the playground with a, uh, the equivalent of an AK-47. It was a Marinko 92S, but, but basically a, an assault rifle. Went out onto the playground and uh, killed five of those kids, injured uh, 32 others. And that, I had about three years on the job when that happened. And so that was kind of shaping for me in my career because that sort of thing just hadn't happened yet. And I'll never forget going into roll call the next day and seeing news stations from as far away as Australia in our briefing room covering the story. And at that time, we didn't even have a term for active shooter. But during the course of my career, I had the good fortune to be the school resource officer supervisor. And because of what had happened in Stockton, we had 24 SROs assigned to the schools, which was a very aggressive program at the time to have that many police officers assigned to schools. Unfortunately, as, as years have gone on, more and more we've had these type of situations and incidents. In, in Stockton, I was also on the tactical team for about 15 years and ended up as the, leaving as a SWAT commander. And during the course of that training and experience, you know, there's certain mindset things that you have to be cognizant of. So um, I just got more and more involved in the topic, and I got asked to speak at a few different places based on my experience. What do you teach at San Joaquin Delta? Well, now I'm a firearms instructor. I've taught various use of force and other aspects of the basic police academy. Now, just with my time constraints, I, I only do firearms on the weekends with the academy cadets. So unfortunately, this is a topic that's becoming more and more common. At one point, we were talking about someone going postal because we used to hear that it was at the post office. So I'm really dating myself if you know that term. But now we are seeing it in schools and neighborhoods and any business. It, you concerts, know, car dealerships, public outings. Everything, everything, right? Yeah, concerts. Do you have any statistics that demonstrate this rise that kind of should make us aware of what's really happening out there? 
the people that are best at keeping the statistics on active shooters are the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They do an annual report of uh, active shooter, shooter incidents. And by their definition, an active shooter has to be someone that's actively engaged in killing multiple people. And I think the number is five, at least five people for them to wow. actually go back and look at that as being as qualifying event for them. And so if you look back historically, they did reports, you know, between 2000, 2005, it's roughly, you know, five to 10 a year. And then from 2005 to 2010, you're looking at, you know, between 10 and 20 of these incidents nationwide throughout the nation, 10 to 20. And then we start getting into 17, 18, 19, you're looking at 30 a year, 2020, you know, we were dealing with COVID, people were locked down, there were still 40 of them. 2021, as things started opening up, you're looking at 61. But, you know, the numbers this year are greatly eclipsing that as well. And as you said before, the venue doesn't seem to matter because it can happen in a religious facility. It can happen in a movie theater. We, we all know the story. At the concert, Route 91, the largest, highest fatality rate was in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay. And, and it was the behavior is the same. It's, it's somebody that's that's actively trying to kill people for, for notoriety, to go down in history, go out with a flame, whatever their their issue is. What is really interesting with those statistics is you were mentioning how high the number was, but those had to be for people that had fatalities of five or six or more. So that doesn't even count yeah. for the ones that go out and attempt it and only get a small amount of people, but they're still One out of so you have to look at what what are the risk factors risk factors are groups and crowds those are the places they're looking for the quote soft targets if you will where there's a lower awareness level lower level of security you know even at the concert you know that of course is using a, a long-range high-power rifle to reach out a long distance but anywhere there's a gathering people it seems to be preferred target of these type of, of people so they're just looking for the easy target. So you referred to it as soft target, meaning they don't have a way to fight back. Correct. Yeah. They're looking for the defenseless, like the first guy that I will never use his name, but the one I mentioned in Stockton in 1997. Children. He went to a, a playground of second graders. Right. And uh, so they're, they're looking for body. They're looking for body count. They're, they're trying to maximum kill as many people as they can. Is this usually true with the student shooters where the kids go to school and start shooting up the school versus an adult? Is there any difference usually in the reasons or? The reasons are, are very, you know, usually it's somebody that's disenfranchised from the community, the outsider that of course brings us to Columbine, right? Which is a major shift in policing tactics because before it was surround and call out. And then during Columbine, you know, I thought that the paradigm had shifted amongst law enforcement that you couldn't wait, uh, that you had to go in and exercise or terminate the threat. You had to eliminate the threat. And so at that point in time, you know, that was one of the reasons we did such an aggressive program of having officer, armed officers in the schools in Stockton was we realized that these things happen in seconds when, you know, we'll be there in minutes. The thing is uh, you have to have somebody there that's prepared to do something. How do neighbor disputes fall into this type of category? Do you ever see that? That's the one thing we see at HOAs. They don't really consider that even though they're going after a neighbor with intent. 
yeah, so violence happens in all sorts of venues, but a neighborhood dispute, you know, you're talking about somebody that's angry with another individual or another group of individuals, even it could be a meeting, a larger meeting, obviously could be a target. So that's what I was talking about. The, the risk of anytime you assemble, you, mm -hmm. you should raise your awareness level to how many people are here and what kind of threat. Yeah. Neighbor on neighbor wouldn't necessarily even meet the criteria for the FBI to make a statistic as far as an active shooter type of incident, because those people are more, if you will, random. They don't care who this, the, their intended target is. Whereas yeah, a neighborhood dispute. Motivated neighbor out of anger towards another person. Yeah. And it, it could be over loud music. It could be over somebody's tired of somebody flipping their cigarette butts off the balcony or whatever, you know, what, what can trigger a person to do something like this as far as attacking somebody versus somebody wanting to go in and indiscriminately kill people in, a, in an assembled group. But there's a different mindset there. If I'm making myself clear about yeah. the different. Yeah, no, you are. That's definitely, I mean, certainly in our HOA world, we give enough committees and stuff power that I could see there be some people that could get angry to the point where um, they might want to do something stupid. So, and certainly I, those incidents have happened. So. so regardless of where you might encounter an active shooter, what are some of the steps a person can take to protect themselves and others should something like that happen when they're present? Number one thing is, is always going to be situational awareness. And when I say that, I mean, just aware of your escape routes, aware of if there are any people that are angry with the topic that you're discussing, but, but even still, anytime you go into some place, you should kind of have an idea in today's day and age, what would I need to do if I need to run away? Where could I hide? And so the ATF and Department of Homeland Security came out with a fantastic video called Run, Hide, Fight. Run, and Hide, or Fight? Run, Hide, Fight, yeah. Got it. Okay. So if you just Google those three terms and just run a Google search, run a hide fight, you're going to get a three minute video that's going to discuss this much more succinctly with great examples of the principles of that. And it, it falls in that tier. So because I mentioned earlier, these happen so fast. Escape is the first priority. Get away. Get where the bullets can't get you. Find some place to cover and just, it's harder to hit a moving target than it is a stationary target. And if, you know, if you watch some of these scenes in a grocery store where the shooter will hit somebody and then walk right on them and just keep shooting them, you know, playing possum, that's not an answer. You need to get away. First of all, get to where the bulls can't get you. That's, that's first thing. If that's not an option and you can find a place to hide, silence your cell phone, barricade yourself in a closet because you can't escape where the room that you're in then, or, you know, you're in a multi-story building and you can't go out through the window. Then the, the second alternative is to hide. And then ultimately, if you can't run and you can't hide, you're going to have to take this guy on and whatever that means, improvised weapons. If that means grabbing a fire sticker, extinguisher off the side of the wall, spraying them with it and then donking them over the head with it. If it means picking up a chair or a desk or whatever you got to do to try and fight, but just, just stand there is not going to be an option. It's not going to end well. Do you think that the organizations and schools and these sorts of places that regularly meet, should they take some kind of preparation drill like we did back in the day for earthquakes, you know, teaching 
kids how to get under desk. Do you think they should do that for all the schools now? They do do that. Oftentimes they have lockdown procedures. You know, some of those we know in the most recently in Uvalde that they didn't follow keeping the doors locked. The bad guy was able to gain access. So access control is obviously a big priority with these things is if you can deny access, then you can limit the damage that they can do. Access controls are very important. The biggest thing is the awareness level. You know, most everywhere there's cameras now, but you can have, you know, at least a, a heads up that somebody's approaching and, and lock the door and try and give yourself some time to escape out the back or do something. I think that's the bottom line, do something. Do you think in the HOA context that communities ha should have some kind of written policy or brochure or something that they should hand out to homeowners so that they're aware of how to handle it? Or is that teaching them how to do it? <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 absolutely. I think every facility is different. Every site is different. So you need to have a site specific plan and you need to know, you know, in that plan, it details what are the access, are there gates that we can lock? Is there some places that should be chained up? Are there back doors that shouldn't be propped open because somebody goes out and takes a smoke break and then allows an entry point that normally wouldn't be, be open? Everyone should sit down and plan, you know, just thinking of what if, what if this happened, what if that happened, and, and make a plan. And Winston Churchill said it best, plans are worthless. When, when the incident happens, it's a piece of paper in a it's a binder on a shelf that nobody has the time to go back and look. But the, in the case of planning, that's indispensable because when you're sitting down making this plan, you're going through these conversations about what if this happened and what if that happened, and then you start addressing areas of concern that you can have some control over. So I think, yes, every association should have some sort of plan, uh, a document, and that can be who to contact, who to call if something happens. And then what do we do in the aftermath? How do we recover? You know, if something does happen, how do we get back to a feeling of safety? How do we get back to normal, normalcy once something really, really bad occurs? So that, that all takes place in that planning process. And you do want to do that before, mm -hmm. not after it is. Troy, are there any tools online that we can use to put plans together? Do you know of anything that somebody, a checklist or something people can follow? Yes, there are consultants and security companies out there that have checklists that are widely available on the internet that, that help can help serve as a template. And it's just that it's a template, right? It's to help ask the question, but to really do that assessment, it needs to be site by site. Sure. Because a 16 unit residence would be different than a, uh, you know, a 500 occupancy apartment complex versus a high rise, what you would find in a major city type of living environment and HOA in that. So it has to be specific to that site. And there are folks that will come out and assist with that process for a fee, or you can DIY it off the internet and you can download threat assessment documents. Department of Home Security puts out some good documents too to help be that conversation starter. That's great. Well, it's something that I think everybody should be aware of and should talk about. I think that, uh, as you mentioned, it's just increasing and not enough has changed. So we can't expect it to stop anytime in the immediate future. Although we can pray and hope that it eventually does, that people don't get any fame out of this and will stop trying to 
utilize these defenseless people as a means to get their popularity out there. There's a very strong campaign with the media to, you know, everybody wants to know what the background of this individual is. And statistically, you know, if, if one of these happens, a person subject that does, it's going to be 18 to 35 years old. It's going to be a single person. He's going to be male because 97% of these are single male persons that go in and do this. It's very rare to see the, the Columbine school. And again, I won't use those guys' names, but it's very uncommon to see more than one shooter. Doesn't mean that the count is any less. Uh, I mean, look at Route 91 in Las Vegas. That was one individual that was very, very prepared to carry out his deed and to give these people notoriety. They need to go down in history as a nothing. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA It's a True Story. I know you shared your one story. Do you have any others you want to throw out there today? Well, I, I'll just say that I know that there are professionals out there that prepare for this type of event. And in my training background, you know, I recently attended a SWAT training event where there was 15 Bay Area teams that came together to train so that we have a mindset that we're going to go in and address these things right away. What happened back in Texas, I can't find the words for it. I, to not go in and, and take that guy out. Um, it's just, it's beyond from, like I said, all the way back to Columbine. Philosophically, law enforcement is there to do something. But there is kind of a divergence between law enforcement and the medical side of it. Because medical is there to, to take care of uh, the injured. And law enforcement has, has learned that, hey, we can help. You know, once the, the shooter is neutralized, we can help by stopping the bleeding and applying tourniquets and stuff like that that we didn't used to do. But that's something that folks can also do is have a kit there prepared as well as part of the plan to have a, a response kit with some portable radios and some tourniquets and some occlusive dressings and some quick clot and, and some things right there that they can help after, after something, you know, should something bad happen. Right. And they can collect that for, for not a whole lot of capital outlay. Well, I know I kind of first was introduced to the concept of the active shooter at a presentation in Las Vegas. And when I came back, I decided I wanted to share the brochure that I got and the information that I got with my team and my staff, because we have guys out on construction sites all the time that are very exposed in these various areas that we work in. And it was one year almost to the day that the Las Vegas shooter took place out there from the mm -hmm. time I had been introduced to active shooter. So it has always resonated with me and I really feel badly. And, and then of course the Gilroy Garlic Festival was attacked by a kid a couple of years back that stopped that whole festival. We don't have it anymore. And it's really a shame that these people get empowered by, you know, with their fears. I hope that we'll get a lot of people listening to this and that we'll start really paying attention to the environment around us and not letting these guys get a, a foothold. It's the only thing we can do. You have to take an active participation in it, and it took something to click you to go, okay, I need to take, take the next step and learn more about this. And we all need to do that yeah. for the sake of our community, for the sake of our families. And, and everyone's awareness level needs to come up because yeah. you're right. They're not going away. It doesn't matter if it's sarin gas in a subway or a sword 
or the tool, the instrument isn't what, what matters. It, it's how we respond. And back in 1977, Muslim went onto a bus and killed a bunch of Israeli school children. And ever since that day, there's been a, a armed military policeman, Israeli military policeman on every school bus in Israel. And so in some points, we need to start taking an Israeli mindset that we need to be part of our own defense and step up to the fact that these aren't going away and somebody needs to take that next step mm -hmm. and it needs to be me. Well, thank you so much, Troy, for joining us. Again, the name of the Google site is... Run, hide, fight. Yeah, that's it. pull that up because that's it, a great video as far as situational awareness and what to do if you're caught in a situation because these can okay. happen anywhere we travel about our days. I appreciate you being on today and sharing <laughs> your expertise and background with us. Hopefully we'll see a difference in this coming down the future. Yes, thank you very much.